do you think that there are are you is your argument that there are more jobs available than there used to be or that there is a greater diversity of the type of job the type of role now than there I think there are more jobs and there are there's a greater diversity of types of jobs than there used to be yeah Okay. Well, yo, you know what? It's I don't crazy. have the statistics on that, but uh, no, nah, it's a gut feeling. But I, I personally think that the the jobs are shifting. I think right now there's 100% guaranteed thousands of jobs that did not even exist because of the way that technology has changed. For example, anybody who works in blockchain, uh, anybody who works in like cybersecurity and like these very deep niches of uh, technology. Yeah, yeah, that stuff didn't really exist like 25, 30 years ago. So, of course, those are new jobs. But at the same time, like with the advances in like robotics and like automation and things like that, there's a lot of those labor jobs that are disappearing. Like think about there's less people working at the cash checkout when you go to, uh, you know, the drugstore or you go to the grocery store and stuff like that. And there's less people working on the factory floor. There's less people working on um, like there's there's just. I there's a lot there's that. a lot changing so it's good it's it's good it's bad it's indifferent but it's the landscape is changing so i think you know what this is a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about today let's do it we got to talk about skills that are are in demand now and that will be in demand in the future and not only just skills that are going to be in demand but like six-figure skills absolutely absolutely so we got to tell people where they're at welcome to the mvp show Oh, yeah. <laughs> My bad. Yo, is this yo, episode honestly, one? I'm nervous. This episode one, yo, we, we really, we really, we really started this. And we had a whole plan of what to say, and I don't yeah, even remember yeah. what to say. I got too caught up in the conversation. That's why sometimes the scripted intros aren't really on app. But by the time we get to episode two, three, four, five, six, uh, we'll be blessed. But welcome to the MP. Welcome to the MVP show, a show dedicated to helping you become the most valuable person you can be. I am your host, Jimmy, or James, whichever one you want to call me. I played collegiate football and transitioned into digital marketing and content creation. And that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast. Yeah, and I'm Courtney. I played pro ball for seven years, and now I've transitioned into making my plays in the business side of pro sports. So we're here to just share what we've learned along our path from, uh, you know, everything from finance to business, investing, relationships, like how can you be the most valuable person? And today, what we want to talk about is how you're going to equip yourself with some six-figure skills that will be in demand now and in the future so that you can potentially get up out of a job that you're currently in that you don't want to be in and get yourself into a job that's going to serve your lifestyle a lot better. You know, there's a lot of people right now, a lot of people, I almost would argue the majority of people who's currently working the definition of a job like they don't have a career or something that has a long trajectory a long um future that they're looking down the road and thinking about how they could grow through it and grow into you know different roles and continue progressing they're working more so something they punch in they punch out they get their their check at the end of every two weeks semi-monthly whatever and like there is there's nothing there emotionally like there's no passion there there's no drive it's just something that they're doing to maintain yeah and 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 that's that's not the best way to go about it, man. It's not the best way to go about it, but there's also nothing against having a job and punching in, punching out, because there's a time for that. And sometimes the time for that is when you're gaining that experience at the beginning of your career, or literally you just need a paycheck. 
But the purpose of this show is to become the most valuable person you can be. And so you have to eventually get out of that mindset, get out of that phase of life and start building lifelong skills, start building skills that are high in demand that you're not going to be replaced easy. Everybody's always trying to aim for that illustrious six figures over a hundred K. I feel like people are like, once I get over the hundred K, like, you know, I'm, I've, I'm set, I've made it. And even earlier, Courtney, we were talking about how, you know, once you get to that, we're, we're, we're trying to build skills that will help you with your lifelong uh, financial skills. And I think, this is the first building blocks to that. When you start getting that, that uh, the, the amount of money that can allow you to save, pay debts down, save a little bit more aggressively, then you have to start learning these other financial skills, which we'll probably talk about in future episodes. But today it's important to lock in on skills that are in, that are high demand because there's some skills that are, not, that are not high demand that can still get you paid, but they're not high demand. And I think you had a chart that you wanted to pull up, right? Yeah, and and so even before I I get that, these are um twenty different skills to let's see, it's from Indeed, uh, which is the online job posting website, and um, let me see which one is it? Is it this one? Yeah, so right here we got uh twenty. Can you see my screen right there? Yeah, yeah, Perfect. I can see your screen. Okay, so there's twenty top skills in demand in the workforce and now look a lot of these they're going to seem like things that are very specific but uh that doesn't necessarily mean you needed to go to college to learn them so things like cloud computing that's number one artificial intelligence number two sales leadership analysis which is a broad category but covers a lot of things translation mobile app development people management, video production, audio, UX design, SEO, blockchain, industrial design, creativity, which is, I don't even know how that made the list. I feel like you need to be creative to do anything. Collaboration. Now we're getting pretty up there in the, in the thin air, uh, adaptability, time management, persuasion, digital journalism, animation. So I think really this is a list of 20 It's it's probably a list of 12 and they stretched it out to be 20, yeah. but on this list, SEO. Of course, on this list, there's things that you can learn on the internet. You can learn yeah. these on YouTube. You can learn these through Udemy. You can learn them through Teachable. People put out courses on their own. Uh, you could pick up a book at the library. You could go. I know um, Figma, which is a software that you can use on the internet. It's a web-based platform that's used for um, a lot of like uh, UI design and things like that nature. They have their own product creation courses that you can read through and learn about that yeah. whole process online for free, right? So a lot of these things, these are just 20 skills that are in demand now and that will be in demand in the future. And I think when we look at this, it really is just, it illuminates to me that it's not that folks aren't equipped or aren't capable of doing jobs where they could earn more money. I think there's just a gap between the awareness of like, what are those opportunities to earn? And then where are the places where I can go to skill up? Because you don't, you don't go out and get, get a career. You build a base of skills so that when there's an opportunity to take a certain career path, like you're, you're able to take that interview and and get that job, and then that job parlays into your career. You don't just walk in there because you have a degree or whatever. That degree is just proof. It's a heuristic. It's a way for the people who are hiring to say, oh, 
I know that this person knows computer science because they have a computer science degree, but you could teach yourself how to do a lot of things of which I think, what are the top three that, that you think we should run through? Or maybe let's just start out with number one. If you had to pick from that list yeah. of, of 20 things, what is one six figure skill that you think people should work on developing if they, if they want to give themselves the best opportunity to break yeah, out of that, number that, one, that rat race? Number one, and I think this is one everybody can do is sales. That's probably the easiest one you could do. You don't need a degree. You don't even need to, to take a course. You just need to be at bat. You got to just go at bat, take a job that sells something, and you can learn how to sell from that job. A lot of jobs are going to give you on-the-job training. They, sometimes they don't even expect you to know how to sell. They just expect you to know how to talk. Can you communicate in your language and communicate ideas? If you could talk and you have a good grasp of, of the language that you speak, you can be in sales. And I think that's one of the, the number one skills you can learn to earn over 100K. Yeah, and sales is absolutely transferable. Like you mentioned, people sell in retail, people are selling real estate, people are selling financial products. Uh, and all of those things, it's just a matter of understanding who's the audience you're, you're trying to reach and what is the problem that that audience is dealing with and then getting them from where they're at to where they wanna be and positioning your product as a vehicle that transports them there. This, this is sales. And like, just so y'all can understand what we're going to do on this show is we're going to introduce you to a topic. We're going to explain the topic for you. Then we're going to give you some skills that you can take and apply right now. And then we'll show you somewhere else you can go and learn more about it. All right. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. But if we want to talk about sales, Jimmy, I know you've worked in a, a call center type environment. Yeah. I've done cold calling. I've, you know, I've also run my own business as an entrepreneur. And in that world, if you don't pick up the phone and call people, if you don't know how to do social selling, if you don't know how to sell through email, you actually don't make any money at all, especially as an entrepreneur. So um, what are some of the experiences you have before we get to the practical of like, here's some tips on how to be great at sales. Yeah. What are some of the exact experiences that you had that taught you the ins and outs of, of sales? Yeah, so I mean, one of the first jobs I ever got in sales was at McDonald's. Now, that's very funny to, to, to say because literally, I remember when I was in my interview, this is for my second job, but when I was in my interview, I was talking, I'm like, yo, I worked at McDonald's. They asked me, do you have any sales skills? I said, I worked at McDonald's and I used to help, I used to upsell people to fries or a, or a meal or get a milkshake or whatever. That's how I increased the the average revenue per per customer and i was mm. like wait you oh, were shoot. thinking you were thinking <laughs> you were thinking about the average revenue per customer yeah, because as... mcdonald's actually taught you these things okay like mcdonald's has one of the best trainings of all i don't know how it is now because like this was like almost like a decade ago but that like they had one of the best trainings so they would teach you like hey People will come in and they'll want a burger, but it's your job to upsell them to a fries and a drink to get them a combo because we make more money on the fries and the drink. And Holy. also the, 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 the franchise that I worked with was owned by one of a very smart businessman who owned multiple franchises. So he would actually talk to you on the ones and be like, yo, this is what it's about. This is what we're trying to do. So McDonald's is number one. After McDonald's, I transitioned to sell, selling uh, apparel, sports apparel. Um, but I think one of the best jobs that I ever had in an RIP to this company, uh, Blockbuster. Ooh. Blockbuster was one of the best sales jobs I've ever had. 
because it literally it literally was about a customer journey you literally had to guide people to the right decision because if you guided people to the wrong decision they're going to return the movie and they're not going to ever get your recommendation again you've already broken that trust but if you can guide people to the right recommendation they're going to keep coming back to you. And that was more of a transactional sales. And I'm throwing out a lot of these terminologies right now, but you could Google these things. And I'm sure in many of the resources that we're going to share with you guys, we're going to learn some of these terms, but transactional sales very quickly is just a, is a, a sales process that is very short. And it's like, Hey, I have money. I want to buy this product. Hey, I have this product. It solves your needs. Quick exchange. We don't even have to really build a, a deep relationship, but in but, but, but within Blockbuster, we had a lot of sales training and it was actually amazing. Uh, building rapport was one of the first things I learned at, at Blockbuster. You start talking to them about, you know, what'd you do this weekend? What's your favorite sport? Kind of like little icebreaker things so that they feel like you're friends. And then they're more likely to receive your recommendation. Mm -hmm. um, and then after Blockbuster, I did a lot of jobs in tech. I sold telecommunications, cable, cell phones, uh, cell phone services. I also sold software as a sales and educational platform to professors, which re re required a ridiculous amount of cold calling and sending mm -hmm. emails. I think that was probably the toughest uh, sales job that I ever had because you were selling to such a niche uh, group of people, professors. And also I was uh, breaking into a, a, a market that didn't really fully exist yet. We were selling uh, publishing tools to professors. Now there's a traditional sense of uh, publishing where you're writing textbooks, but we were selling digital textbooks to professors and say, hey, do you want to write your own um, textbook and make a royalty or make a cut? And a lot of professors are like, yo, is this a scam? What are you talking about? I never heard of this before. And so that was really tough for me as a salesperson. It really sharpened my skills because I literally had to think outside the box. I literally had to be like, yo, here's the issue that you're facing right now. Here's how you solve it. Here's how our platform helps you solve that. Would you like a demo? <laughs> and they're like, mm. yeah, you know what? I never thought about that. Yeah, let's do a demo. And then you, you take them through that process. So those are just to highlight some of the, the, uh, the, some of the industries that I've worked in uh, where I had to utilize sales skills. How about you? Holy. Yo, honestly, um, you got me thinking about a whole bunch of stuff. My very first job that I ever had was working in uh a water park and i worked in a gift shop and so i had to work on the till but i was not thinking about that i was trying to do the math to make sure i didn't give people back too many quarters or too many nickels when in their change um but the real the real first sales job i had i used to work at a a, a sporting goods store called sport check and i worked there for three years and um the department was called like soft goods so you could imagine like Foot Locker or Champs or something like that. It's pretty much the same. People would come in and obviously you come in the store, you're looking around and my whole thing was like, hey, how you doing? You trying to get some new size nine and a halfs? And my thing was like, I would try my best to just guess what size people's shoes are. And on a good amount of time, like I could actually gauge what their shoes were because I saw so many hundreds and hundreds of people every week. And so, you know, that's a great way to break the ice on a conversation because most of the time people are just going to, you're going to walk in a store, people are going to say, hey, can I help you with anything? And, you know, nine out of 10 people are going to say, no, I'm just looking, even though they are looking for something very specific. They literally you know, walked into the store for it. Exactly. You know what that top track looks like and it's a dead end. So you got to start somewhere else. And, and that's what I kind of learned working in retail is that it's not necessarily about 
you know, you just matching this person up with a with a shoe, but it's like trying to understand what what are they trying to do, right? Like you're you're buying shoes for a reason. Yo, did you just get back in the gym? Are you starting a new uh, men's league basketball thing? Is it back to school? Or did you just get a new job? So you try and figure out where they're coming from. And then you build some kind of rapport, assess their situation, and then make a recommendation and support it with some kind of facts. And then you can close so many sales that way. But um, retail was also great because you learned how to de-escalate situations because people would come in there and be mad and you'd be face-to-face. And when you're face-to-face with somebody, you know, you really got to... You got to think on your feet, literally think on your feet. So uh, working in retail for three years was amazing. And then also uh, um, I went on to do other things. Like I said, I, I started my own uh, business. We ran a, a sports academy for six years and, and you were you were there. You saw that one. Yeah. But to get all those people, all those parents to pay for the kids to come, it, it was I would say it's a high ticket item. Like some of our, mm-hmm. our classes and whatnot were five, seven hundred dollars for a few weeks. And so you got to get on the phone and you got to uh, build a certain type of trust with these people because people yeah. are only going to do business with you and exchange that amount of money with you if they feel like they're going to get, you know, uh, an equal or greater amount of value back yeah. for that time and money that they're spending with you. So you got to be able to um, just see what the things that people are are holding inside of them that are little barriers against what uh, what you're trying to tell them and, and they're they're having their hesitations. You got to uncover those and, and defuse those bombs and then you can sell a lot. But um, so that, that brings me to like one of the tactics that I learned um, through my entrepreneurial journey. And then also later when I was, you know, a business development rep and I was just banging cold calls for like a software company. So through the whole spectrum, one thing that I learned, whether I was trying to book a demo, whether I was trying to get somebody to buy an eight week program, whether I was trying to get somebody to buy a brand new pair of, of ASICs, the the product that you're selling, uh, you shouldn't really position it as like this product and all the great features that it has. Like there's a time for that, especially when it's very transactional. But uh, I find it very effective when you can figure out exactly what somebody's trying to accomplish and why they're trying to accomplish it. They're They're probably starting out in a stage where there's either some form of discomfort, inconvenience, something's too slow, something doesn't fit right, something's old, uh, it's not performing up to the standard, right? They're in a certain stage right now where there's a problem, okay? And you got to identify that problem. And if you can explain that problem better than the person who is experiencing it, immediately they're going to begin to trust you as a person who can lead them to the promised land. So you got to assess the situation. Now, if you know your product well, you know that your product fits with a certain number of issues. So it's a solution to, okay, this running shoe is great because this running shoe is lighter than a boot. This running shoe here is breathable for when you're wearing it for a long time. This running running shoe here has a steel toe so you could wear it at work. Or whatever it is that the problem is they're facing, you got to be able to fit your product to that solution, not so that you can sell the product, so that you can sell them on the destination that they're trying to get to. So I I heard this uh, podcast a long time ago. It hit me like a ton of bricks. It was this guy named Derek Halpern. He is an online marketing guy, and he used something called the POD method, okay? P-O-D. It's a problem, it's the obstacle, and it's the dream state or the desired destination, okay? So you basically try to identify what is the problem? Where is this person starting at? That's the point of origin, right? That's where you are at the beginning. 
Then you want to identify what's the dream state? Where are they trying to get to? And then what is the obstacle that's in between that P and that D that is stopping them from just getting there on their own? Yeah. Maybe they don't even know what shoe to buy. Maybe they don't know what kind of software is the best one to start their new company. Maybe they don't know what skills that they need to uh, work on so that they can get the career that they're looking for. And so when you can clearly, clearly show these people, hey, look, this is, this is where we are in stage A. This is where you want to get to in stage B. And this is what's stopping you. But guess what? This product that I have here, this is a vehicle that transports you. It's like a bridge and it brings you from the problem to the destination over that obstacle. Now, if, if I told you that this vehicle was X amount, would you be interested? And that's how you sell the thing. It's not, it's not coming in there and saying, yeah, these shoes are the best shoes. These shoes are the best shoes. It's, yo, I'm going to make your feet feel better. And you can have feet that feel better after a full day's of work for $97. And so it's not even about the shoe, but it's about the yeah. result, right? And so that's, that's how using the pod method, which, which um, was something I latched onto and I've been using to this day, even on my teams at work now, I, I train them on that as soon as in their first two weeks of working with me. And um, everybody seems to just gravitate towards because it makes sense, right? It makes sense. You're making it human and you're making it relatable regardless of if what you're selling is SaaS, if what you're selling is um, clothing, if what you're selling is technology, hardware. Just got to identify clearly where they're at, why they even came in the store, and then where they want to get to and then show them how your product is the vehicle. Have you ever heard of the pod method? I haven't heard of the pod method, but that sounds very familiar in terms of just that journey that you want to take a customer through. Um, I've, I've, I've heard of things like jobs to be done. I've actually came across that in, in marketing talk, but it's, it's definitely, um, uh, applicable in sales. And one of the things that big mistake that a lot of people that start in sales do is they feature dump mm. or they benefits poor. <laughs> they, <laughs> they either just feature dump or they benefits poor and you don't want to uh you don't want to over you, you don't want to overstimulate or uh give too much information to somebody who is is looking for a solution because you end up just kind of you you send their brain into overdrive and then they can't make a decision and so kind of like what courtney was saying you want to pinpoint the pain points figure out what exactly it is that they're coming here for what's what do they what what are they dealing with and a lot of people really just don't know how to get to the solution in a simple manner. And that's why they're coming to you. That's why they're coming to your product, to your company, um, to your, to, to wherever they're looking for a solution. And it's your job to kind of almost handhold them to the, to the desired location. So I think you, you probably, you said it best, the pod method. That's a, that's a very good one to stick to. Do you have any uh, podcasts or resources that people can jump on? Yeah, man, I, I got a couple of books actually. And um this one uh, is called The Ultimate Sales Machine, and it's a turbocharger business with relentless focus on 12 key strategies by Chet Holmes. This one's kind of an overarching sales book, and it talks about all different stages of it from prospecting to getting referrals after you've actually closed a sale. Yeah. And that's for you know transactional stuff, long sales cycles, all that different kind of stuff. I think the best, the best information is actually in books. If you're not a book person, you might not want to be a wealthy person either, um, but not everybody has to read books. These things are on Audible. Um, you could probably download a a video somewhere, go on YouTube. But yeah, the ultimate sales machine is one. A second one, and there's two by a guy named Jeb Blunt. He is a, a sales trainer. He has a sales company called Sales Gravy. 
And um, he does some really good stuff. He has two books that focus on specific aspects of sales. Mm -hmm. And the first one is called Fanatical Prospecting. And that is about filling up your pipeline and giving yourselves at-bats, opportunities. Um, as a salesperson, you'll learn that it's very much, excuse me, it's very much about giving yourself a chance. Yeah. It's a numbers game. If you want to really sell stuff, like, of course, you want to get better at closing, right? You want to have a higher closing percentage. Like, you want to have a better uh, batting average. But in until you have the great batting average, you really just get need to do a lot of volume. So you need to have a lot of at-bats. And the only way you get at-bats is by prospecting. So this book is all about how do you find more people to put into your pipeline so that you're able to have more conversations and you're able to get more at-bats. And then here's the real key is that once you do get your batting average up, don't let the volume drop down because then you'll really hit it out of the park. I mean, that's how that's a whole nother conversation. I know we're talking yeah. about 101, but um, that's how you really kill it in sales. And then the last book would be um, another Jeb Blunt book that's called Objections. Okay. And if you're going to sell stuff, you're you're absolutely going to deal with brush offs. You're going to deal with um, people who are giving you objections, people who are you know weary of things. And this is just giving you tools to disarm those situations and get people over things where they're stalling or they're they're not getting to the point or there's no urgency so they're not making a decision this is how to get people off of the fence because in the world of sales yes and no's you can live with it's the maybes that will kill you yeah. and this book objections is specifically about how to maneuver uh when people are not trying to give you a yes or a no or if they give you a no how can you actually see if that's a real no if they're just confused right now or they're just an information overload or there's just too many competing things in their mind how can you simplify stuff and let them know that what you got for them is is absolutely the best option yeah and we'll definitely add those ones in the show notes if you guys uh want to check those ones out i got two real quick these ones helped me a lot when i was early in my my sales career um how to win friends and influence people by dale carnegie that's like one of my my favorite books uh reading when it, when it came to sales and then also Brian Tracy, The Psychology of Selling. Uh, those are two quick ones that I would just add onto the list that Courtney gave. Um, all right. So we talked about sales. I think we got we got tech, we got to talk a little bit more of some technical skills. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like we couldn't do the first episode of skills that can help you earn over 100 k or be a high earner without Six talking about skills. without talking about software development. Like we have to touch on software development. I think that one is a given. Um, I got this uh, while you're, I got this. Um, this, I'm going to share my screen real quick for just a second. Oh, you got to give me permission. Oh, it's like that. Yeah, man, you got you got everything locked. This guy got me on. I got you on. Protection. I got you on child proof. <laughs> child, I don't yeah, even know. Here, let me go. My advanced set. Who can share? All participants. There we go. There, there we go. go. That's love. There we go. Try your best. You see my screen? I see your screen, bro. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, um, software developers now in the in the world of software development, there are so many different uh, areas. You have software engineers. You have full stack developers. You have data scientists, like there's so much when it comes to software developers. Uh, but right here, I have the full stack developer and you can see from entry level to probably mid-level mid, mid, mid -level earnings, 
it's about 90 to 115k there and that's just in between that's not senior that's probably somebody who just really just got into the in, into the industry starting off and like i said there's so many different areas of software development we have web dev we got machine learning I mentioned data scientists and now there's even new emerging uh markets new emerging air, uh, industries where the ability to code and solve problems using coding is going to be much more important so like ai artificial intelligence you talked about earlier about blockchain when we were looking at the 20 most high in demand skills um, from Indeed. So what's your take on software development for as a skill where you can be a high earner? Yeah, that's, that is like software development in uh, this generation is the equivalent of like having a trade, you know, like being a carpenter or being a plumber or an electrician because uh, computers are the the plumbing and the electricity of the internet. And if you understand how to interact with those machines and all different types of them, whether it's the mobile devices or whether it's the the networks, the the cloud, whether it's the data security, whether it's the the any aspect of it, the front end developer, the back end, any aspect that you learn how to work on the uh technology that is underneath everything that we do like i'm looking at my desk right now i have a laptop i have an ipad i have an iphone and then i also have another monitor over there who knows what kind of technology is in that as well and then behind that i have a workout machine that has its own monitor and a computer inside of that so like within 10 feet of me i've got all kinds of technology and people who wrote code to design the the user interfaces, people who wrote code to uh, keep track of the stats when I'm working out on my machine, all that kind of stuff. There's people behind the scenes who I'll never meet were involved in all of that. And yeah. so I, I just think um, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty intimidating from the outside looking in because it's a foreign language and there's so many of them, whether it's, you know, Python and you're doing machine learning type of stuff or you're using Python to, to build algorithms uh databases yeah and all those kinds of stuff or if you're doing java and and javascript and you're working on like you know interactive user interfaces or if you're you're using apex code which is like very niche specific stuff to like salesforce.com and all of their um their SaaS stuff that they have on their platform there's just so many lanes to get in and i think if I could go back in time and I didn't go through uh, the sports route and I didn't go the business route and I didn't go the finance route, I think the no brainer for me would be to just do something that is related to computer science. Yeah. Because no, that makes, that's those jobs are in demand. Yeah. So many jobs in demand over there. And I even feel that even now, I think it's important to learn coding. Like there's so many different areas of life that coding can can um help you with like i'm i do marketing and i think we'll probably touch on that a little bit later but i i'm using code html css javascript just to fix up errors that might pop up on the website when i upload content to a website so just having these skills makes you uh it i feel like it bulletproofs you 
Because if, if, if you're like, yo, boss, the website's messed up, they have to go and contact a web developer. That costs them money. But if you now say, yo, boss, I learned how to do that, or you talk to your manager, you said, I learned how to fix this problem without having to, by learning some code, you save that business money. Now, when you start saving a business money, they can put that money on top of your paycheck. They can put that money on top of your salary. So you make yourself bulletproof. You make yourself indispensable by learning these skills. And so whether you're in sales, if you learn a little bit of coding, you now can talk about the software that you're selling on a different level to a, maybe you're selling to a developer. Maybe you're selling to somebody who might not know exactly what the, what the uh, product does, but because you have that knowledge, it, it just compounds on each other. I think software development, coding is a key skill. Like it's almost like financial literacy now. Like the, the way the world is headed, you almost need to know coding to, to be relevant in the job market going forward. Yeah. So here's, <clears throat> I just pulled this up. Here's six jobs uh, in tech that you do not need a degree for. And now there's a there's a longer list, but I'm just getting I'm getting up to the point where the salaries uh, hit ninety plus thousand. So junior yeah. Python developer average okay. salary as per Indeed.com, we're looking at ninety three thousand nine hundred ninety eight dollars per year USD. Front end developer one hundred and one thousand dollars per year. JavaScript developer one hundred and twelve thousand dollars per year. DevOps engineer. 117,000 per year. Software engineer, 120. Mobile developer, $120,000 per year. And these are things that don't necessarily require you to have a formal education. And the cool thing about it is with, you know, software and with um, engineering, software engineers, developers, you can basically have your portfolio online. So yeah. it's not necessarily like LinkedIn, but if you have GitHub and you are making commits, a commit is when you go online and you go in your um, your workstation and you, and you add lines of code and then you save it. And when you save it, it's called a commit, right? And you can see there's like a heat map on GitHub that shows when and how frequently you've made commits because in that realm the thing that shows if you're really about your act about the action that you're talking about is okay how much code have you shipped how much how many commits have you made like do you code every single day or is this a hobby for you and so you could literally be somebody who right now is at ground zero knows absolutely nothing you could start taking some courses online in your spare time learn how to do python and then you can start building things and have your portfolio online. You're shipping code, making commits. And then when there's a job opening, those people who get your resume, yeah, they'll look at your schooling and stuff like that probably. But more importantly, what they're going to do is they're going to look at your GitHub. And yeah. so it's not about what your GPA was. It's about, yo, can you code? Because quite infamously, Many of the world's most famous people dropped out of stuff to start technology companies. Matter of fact, my nephew, he dropped out of college to get a job in tech, and he got like three promotions within his first two years at the company just because it's very merit-based, you know? Yeah. And it's something where 
it doesn't matter really who you are or where you're from. A lot of the greatest people in technology, they don't they don't have strong English, but they know how to write Java or they know how to write Python or they know how to write C. So it's a, a technology in this sense could be a great equalizer if you equip yourself with the skills to be able to perform based on what the job requires you to to do. And, and performing yeah. in this industry is lucrative. Very lucrative. And it's really just problem solving. Like a lot of these skills is really just problem solving. And in this case, you're problem solving with algorithms, you're problem solving with coding. And there are a lot of jobs now that there are a lot of um, industries now that don't even require you to be like an in-depth coder to get started. You just need to know just enough to be able to get the job done. And then you build on it. A lot of software developers, if you go and ask any one of your friends that is a software developer, they don't know everything. They're get they're going to GitHub to to find out other people how other people solve the solutions. I remember when I was practicing coding and using like these tools. Forgot I had it written down here, like Free Code Camp and Code Academy. Code I would Academy. I would literally be trying to solve a, an algorithm, and I'm like, man, I don't know how to figure this out. Reddit, hey, how does how did you guys figure this out? And there's forums of people because there's so many different ways to solve a problem. There's so many different ways to write an algorithm to solve the same problem. Really, it comes down to reps, 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 reps. And like, yo, like we said, shows about being an MVP, the best in their industry always take multiple reps. And this is one industry that reps is the most important thing because we see what you do. We see your portfolio. We see what you built. We see the features that you've added on to, to programs. It's almost like sales. Sales, they look at your numbers. Software development, they look at your program, your programming. They look at your algorithms. They, they see what you've GitHub. actually done. Exactly. So there's it's 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 there for everybody to see. I feel like that's kind of where the world is headed now. Like it's it's almost a proof of concept, and then it's like the stamp at the end. I'm I'm getting a little bit into some uh, <laughs> into some cryptocurrency talks nah, here. No, nah, you you know what you're saying is real. It's just um don't feel intimidated by the fact that right now you are on ground zero and you might feel like you're really too old to start something new, even if like me i'm early 30s and it's like sometimes i feel like i couldn't start something new i don't want to because i'm i feel like i'm in my lane i'm in my stride doing exactly what i'm supposed to be doing um i'm in my sweet spot where the thing that i do best and the thing that i love is also the thing i get paid for and that's rare so for you listener it's like try something and find out if you enjoy the struggle of figuring it out and if you do then that's what you double down on and if you want to figure out if you know software engineering is for you then i say stop by codeacademy.com and you know just just take a course there's a, there's free ones on there yeah and of course then there's some paid ones but um this is some advice that i gave myself before i got married i said if you don't treat her like your wife now then you'll never know what it's like for to be married to her until you're married to her so you got to you got to give it your, a good, honest effort of if you want to, if you're really about a six-figure salary and you want some six-figure skills, you got to put in a six-figure work ethic first, yeah. right? Now, none of this is saying, oh, this is how you make money easy. We're not trying to say that, but there's, you're, you're going to have either two pains. You're going to have the pain of working through something and then creating something or the pain of staying exactly where you're at and hating things. So it's like, you might as well, um, devote some energy to figuring out like what is the thing that 
not only that I'm passionate about and passion is created. Like you don't just like find a passion. You, the passion is the alignment of something you don't mind toiling on and, and getting fulfillment out of that. Also find something that's your sweet spot, something that you enjoy, something that you could do and get a reward from and something that you can get paid for and paid a lot. Right. And I think software, if you're into tech, that could be the thing for you among other things. Yeah. They're, they're, like, like we said, there's a long list. We just happen to pick these, these uh, three and we're going to jump into the third one. This is, this is what I love to do. You talking about passion, you talking about where your skill sets and your passion align. Give you a second. You got it. Shout, Shout out. out. Well, yeah. Like I was saying, you're talking about passion and, and finding that intersection of what you're passionate about and where your skills meet and where you feel like your skills intersect. And for me, that's digital marketing. And when I came out of high school, um, I was already doing sales. When I was in college, I was doing a lot of sales jobs. And eventually at a point I was like, man, I really don't like find the passion in sales like I used to when I was much younger. And I tried out different things. I tried coding for a while. I was coding websites, learning how to code apps, uh, learning all the like the basic languages that I felt like were going to be uh, beneficial for me in order to, to start a career in software development. But then I started doing, you know, we started doing podcasts, started doing email marketing. We started creating content, blogging, started making YouTube videos. And at the time, I didn't really even know what marketing was. I just knew that there was a team of people who made content or they made ads or they were in charge of branding, but I never talked to them. I just was like, yo, give me leads, give me leads, give me leads as a salesperson. But when I started putting all these things together um, and, and doing more research and honing my skills, that's when I came across the term digital marketing. And I feel like that, that, that term probably has been more uh, prevalent in the last like three to five years of the word digital marketing and what digital marketing is, is just it's pretty much mark anything that you do that, that in terms of marketing that's done on the internet so social media that's digital marketing if you're selling an app products on social media uh email marketing that's a form of digital marketing because it's on the internet um online ads google ads uh display ads video ads anything that is on a device that's connected to the internet is considered digital marketing and my first exposure to digital marketing, it was, it was very, very interesting. I was working for a company selling apps, app installs. You know, all of those ads you get on your phone where it's like, Bam. yo, I downloaded a game yep. while I was playing another game. Exactly. And I've been hooked ever since. Yes. So that's oh how I gosh. got into, that's how I got into digital marketing, selling those type of ads uh, I sold ads for Final Fantasy. I sold ads for uh, Zynga, which is like a poker. They own like a bunch of different games. Amazon apps. You'd, you'd be surprised how much Amazon pays to get people to download their app. They are spending millions of dollars a month so that people can download their apps. And it's insane, this world of digital marketing. So from, from selling app installs to then going to doing paid search, putting ads on Facebook, driving them to a website so that they can click on a display banner so that they can buy a product. Uh, 
my mind was completely blown at this world. And so I just kept diving into what is digital marketing? What does digital marketing consist of? I started my own YouTube channel, started getting paid from, from ads on YouTube through AdSense. Yo, so, okay, I think you should pause right here to ground this for people yes. who are trying to understand. My mom asked me this and I explained it to her, but I think give us, give us the listener, um, like explain it to us like we're five years old, why people who make YouTube videos get paid money. The best way I can explain it would be this. When you are making content, so in this case, videos, YouTube videos, you are generating an audience, a following, eyeballs. So let's say Courtney is doing this podcast. You as the listener are listening to this podcast. Courtney is de developing demand. He's developing an audience. That audience has money. They want to buy things. So a corporation now comes to Courtney and says, hey, can you sell this financial product because you are talking about finance on your podcast? Courtney says, yes, I'll sell it for X amount of dollars. I have X amount of uh, audience. So let's say a thousand. That's usually what people usually go by. A thousand impressions, a thousand views. Um, that thousand views, you'll say, hey, I will sell this. Um, I'll sell your product for a hundred dollars or I'll mention your product for a hundred dollars to these a thousand fans. That corporation is like, absolutely, because to them, they know you are talking to exactly a thousand fans and they can measure that. So pretty much that's exactly what YouTube does. They have a platform with a bunch of content that generates demand and co corporations want to put their products in front of that audience, in front of that demand. And it's like a no brainer for them because they can measure it. It's no different than TV ads. The difference was that you can't measure TV ads. You don't know where, if that person bought your, your PS5 after mm -hmm. they saw the ad for the PS5. But when you put it on a YouTube video, when you sell ads on a YouTube video, or when you sell ads on any digital platform, it's measurable. Yeah. So they have something called attribution where you can tell where the leads came from. Mostly it's a little more complicated than that, especially with some of the new uh, legislation and laws that have made it harder to track people from website to website and platform to platform. But mm -hmm. just to like summarize what you're saying is uh, this new era of media and entertainment, people are watching and consuming, uh, whether it be video or audio on their phone, through their TV or wherever, but not necessarily cable or radio like it used to be. Those things as well, but they're consuming these other types of content, whether it be blogs, um, or whether it be uh, somebody's Instagram, they're swiping yeah. through their Instagram, watching videos and advertisers can jump in the middle of that stream of content and say, Hey, look at me while you're looking at this funny dance video, look at these pants that I'm selling. And the person who is providing the entertainment on either side of the ad would be compensated for bringing the audience to the platform and giving that ad viewers basically yeah and, and so so for that your ability to draw more people in is your ability to generate money um in in this content marketing or in this digital marketing thing yeah absolutely and now the ads are so good that some people don't even know they're watching an ad like you watch a mr beast video he's got a ton of ads in his video but it's so integrated into his content now that a lot of people don't realize they're watching an ad he's so good at what he does so yo let's just talk about this then 
if I was to say I wanted to get into digital marketing because I like making TikTok videos, I like making YouTube videos, there's all kinds of genres. There's just straight up entertainment. Yeah. There's uh, informative stuff. You could be making listicles. You can be making blogs, how to's. You could be doing interviews. That's the content marketing side. But um, aside from content marketing and like pr producing things, what are the different ways or the different um, digital marketing skills that people yeah. could have so that they could get into digital marketing? Because a lot of us have made videos on Instagram and TikTok and we've never been paid anything. So true. where does, where's the crossover from just being on these platforms to making a career out of them? And we're talking about six figure skills. How yeah. does somebody become a six figure digital marketer and just give us, you know, some bullet points on, on those opportunities. Yeah. First of all, when I was making the list on how many roles there are in digital marketing, I was like, yo, there are so many roles. There are so many different skills that you can develop and be a six-figure earner within digital marketing. But I'm gonna break it down into corporate and then entrepreneurship. And we kind of already talked on the entrepreneurship business side with being a content creator or an influencer. Usually it's influencers that make money and the content creators just make content for the platform and the, the platform makes money off of their content by selling ads on it. So let's start with the co corporation side. Entry level, you're looking at marketing coordinator. Marketing coordinator, is usually somebody who is, hey, here's the assets, here are, here's the 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 blog, put it on the website, make sure it it it, make, it looks good, the li the links are working, and you know interact with people on social media. It's you're really just a. This, this is this is this is not a six figure job though. This is an entry is level junior position. Yes. And what are the skills that you need to do this job? Honestly, this is just pretty much minimum project management skills and just a little bit of marketing knowledge. And there's so many, this role is so broad that when you get into it, you your, your job, depending on the company you're with, they really form what you're going to do. So you so, can either be focusing on social media, which I'll, I'll get into a little bit, or you can be focusing on email, or you can be focusing on content, or you can be focusing on web, um, web design and, and um, uh, website management or what they call content management. You're just managing a website. So there's many different funnels you can fit into, but this is very, very this is the very beginning. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is because once you learn these basic skills and you kind of have a broad understanding of what marketing is, then you can specialize and now start going for the six-figure jobs. So the six-figure jobs would be marketing manager. This is when you're in charge of the strategy for the company or the strategy for uh, the organization, depending on which funnel they want you to work on. So when I say funnel, that could be, it could be a content marketing funnel. It could be an email funnel. It could be a paid media funnel. And so, yo, I'm, I'm going to keep stopping you because I, need, you I need whoever is listening to this to, to, like, understand. to take it in. When you say funnel, you're saying you're bringing a person who is a viewer or somebody who is reading a blog or somebody who's listening to a podcast from a place where they don't know to a place where they know and they're aware and then to another place where they're interested and then finally to a place where they're ready to take action and purchase something. Is that is that what you mean when you say a funnel? That is exactly what I mean when I say a funnel. Okay, so you're you're taking them from obscurity they don't know and you're bringing them along their customer journey 
through a series of very strategic touch points yep. and, and you're escalating them to the point where if they're willing and able, there'll be a transaction at the other end. And that's how you turn this attention into revenue. And so there's a lot of skills that go into that. Now, you mentioned some jobs, the skills, what are the, what are the building blocks that allow people to do this? You just mentioned project management, yeah, building so out a content calendar, copywriting, uh, Okay, now we're getting to the nitty gritty. This okay. is what I'm here right. this, for. This is what he wants to hear. This is what he wants to hear. All right. So number one, I would say copywriting is one of the most important skills that you need to know in digital marketing because you're going to do a lot of writing, whether it's mm -hmm. writing scripts for videos, writing headlines for emails, writing the body of an email, writing a blog. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that comes into content and, and across all the, the jobs that you can do, Copywriting is, is one of the, the main skills that you're going to need to learn. Uh, strategy is very important. And the reason why I think strategy is important, because you're also going to need to be able to uh, break down uh, customer journeys like we talked about, but also you're going to be able to, you're going to need to be able to take data or so data analysis and metrics and make decisions off of that. So mm. I would put strategy, data analysis and metrics to like all in one, because there's mm. people who have strategy but then they don't even know, like, when the data comes in, they're like, oh, I don't know what to do next. Yes. Ooh. Making making those decisions based on data analysis and met metrics is very, very important. So yeah. we'll yeah. just throw creativity in there, too. Now yes. you're going to cut me off. Go ahead. Go I ahead. have to cut you off because I think there's some keys here, too, is because um, when you talk about data, uh, you got to think about what are what are some of these important numbers that people got to understand. And yeah. I think you you mentioned earlier, Amazon spends millions of dollars on their what what the technical term is like customer acquisition yeah so if i go and i pay for an ad and that ad generates a customer then there's a cost that i paid for that customer and and that that customer acquisition cost which is is just in the industry is kind of known as cac and short form they call it cac customer acquisition cost mm-hmm you're hoping that when you're looking at these these data and these analytics and you're looking at the customer journeys and you're looking at the audience that you're reaching out to, however many thousands of people, and then how many of those thousands of people actually turn into customers at the bottom, like what's that conversion rate and what you're paying to get exposed to those people versus your customer acquisition cost per customer. And then you want to compare that to the lifetime value of yeah. each customer. So your customer might buy from you once, or it might be something where they buy from you many times. It might be a subscription product. It might be a, a disposable product that they have to keep buying every so frequently, every month, every year. And if you're able to have data tied to where they came in, how often they buy, and what's the average value of the transactions that they have with you, then you can really tell, okay, it cost me $80 to acquire this customer. But over the lifetime of this this ex, this relationship we have together, this business customer relationship, they're gonna spend eight hundred dollars with me. So I can spend eighty dollars all day. I could spend four hundred dollars to acquire this person because I'm still gonna make back that four hundred plus another four hundred in the lifetime of our relationship together. So understanding the metrics, the customer journey, that's what you're talking about. And, yeah. and in the terms of like what skills. I just wanted it to get real glad no, no, granular of for these people. I, you're, to really, you're, you're really good at breaking down complex things and making it very simple. And one of the things, like one of the terms you'll hear is KPI, key performance indicators. That's mm -hmm. what Corny's talking about. 
These KPIs are what marketers use to know that their campaigns are efficient. Their campaigns are working. So just let's just break that, what you just talked about down even further. From the top of the funnel, you're going to pay for impressions so that people can see your ad. So people usually play, pay either a CPM. There's other ways you can do it too, but we'll just do a very simple CPM where you're paying per milli, paying for a thousand uh, impressions. After you see that CPM, if people click on your ad, that costs a certain money. What marketers will do, well, they'll take that metric and they'll break it down and they'll try to they'll try to break it down into a CPC cost per click. Because when you have a cost per click, it makes it easier for you to know, okay, if it takes $5 for somebody to click on this ad and on the other ad side of this ad, the product that we're trying to sell is 10 bucks, how many people actually buy that product? So if I, if I get 100 clicks, 100, 100 clicks times $5 is $500 and only one person bought, you're in trouble. You're mm -hmm. in trouble. So you want to make sure that when you when you're interested in digital marketing, if you're interested in digital marketing, you want to make sure you have an analytical mind because you're going to have to answer to somebody about these stats. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to answer to somebody and say, hey, hey, we spent a million dollars, but we only generated a thousand dollars. What's going on? You yeah. Spent, you burnt a lot of money. Yeah. Right. And, so, and, and I'm just going to say right, one ahead, last thing. At each stage of the funnel, there's a KPI. Mm -hmm. So for reach, you got the CPM. Cost, yeah. per, cost per thousand. And then for the conversion or for the people who are actually clicking, you got the cost per click. Mm -hmm. Then after the people click, are those people who actually get to that landing page, are they submitting their information to begin a relationship with you? That would be your cost per lead. And then from those leads, how many of those leads are you closing? And that's your cost per customer or your customer acquisition cost. Yeah. Or, and or so, you could say revenue, revenue. Exactly. And now you're looking at where in my funnel does it drop off? Mm -hmm. And based on the conversion rate from one stage to the next, you can learn how to tweak your campaign and change your messaging or the way that you're delivering things to your, your prospect or your customer at each different stage of the journey. This, look, this is a mini master class. Yeah, we went, we went deep on that. We like, had to. Is, yeah, it, it makes sense. It makes sense because... This, this field is, it's so much more broad than just sales. It's so much more broad than this, than just software development. Cause what we just talked about is, is paid media. It's media buying. That's just one skill. Mm. We didn't talk. We talked about copywriting. We talked slightly about talked about copywriting. Yeah, copywriting. Slightly talked about copywriting. Copywriting is a whole. Slightly beast. talked about. And the funny thing about it is, okay, you just, you just went through the paid media, uh, media buying uh, role. But sometimes you have a media buyer and then you have a data analyst who's the, the marketing analyst who does all of the data to actually make sure that we're doing the right things or that the media buyer is doing the right things. So there's so many different roles. I think one other skill, I it was just on the top of my mind. Oh, we, content creation, especially video. Video is taking off right now. A lot of businesses are investing in video. Look, Apple just released a series on Twitter. They, they released the first episode of a series that's coming out in a couple of weeks called Silo. Why would Apple do this on Twitter? Release uh, an episode that for free that they probably spent millions of dollars creating, producing. It's because it's free advertising for them. It's literally free advertising. Posting that video on Twitter where the algorithm is going to project that video to people who have never 
probably heard of this this uh the show before people who have never downloaded the apple the apple app before or apple tv app before it's free advertising for them so now has a business owner or has a, a, a content producer if you're thinking man how can i make viral videos and then put products in them you now you transform from either a content creator to an influencer or from somebody who just posts videos on social media into a into a marketer. That's the difference between somebody who just posts videos on Instagram and is not getting paid and somebody who posts the videos on Instagram and is getting paid. You're running it as a business, you're a marketer or you're an influencer because you're influencing people to make decisions, to make purchasing decisions. And so mm -hmm. content creation, making videos, content creation goes across a lot of things. I know people make podcasts, just audio, but podcasts not can be video on audio. There are live streamers who do live events. There are people who do blogging. There are micro bloggers on LinkedIn, people on Twitter that are making a ton of money. But if you can make video content, I'm a big proponent of video content. If you can make video content, which involves skills like video editing, video production, how to shoot a, how to use a camera and presentation skills, or just voiceover skills too. If you can learn those skills, you can be a marketer. You can sell products and you can do something called, there's another one, affiliate marketing. There That's a whole nother world on um, the whole nother world uh, within the digital marketing landscape. So there are so many different roles, so many different skills. I think we touched on a few of them, but I'll just just so, so that we can kind of um, remember or just uh, isolate some of the key skills. Copywriting, data, uh, anal uh, marketing, anal uh, analytics, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> marketing analytics, so metrics and data, uh, and then content creation. I would say those three are probably the top skills that you want to learn when it comes to, to, to digital marketing. And that's it. I mean, I, we, if we go any further, we might have to uh, start taking tuition. Yeah. But this I'm is gonna share some resources before, before we go though. Yeah. We shared resources on the other ones. Um, two podcasts that I love listening to right now. And obviously you can YouTube pretty much anything you want to learn about digital marketing. But one podcast that I really like uh, listening to right now is Marketing Power Ups by John Ramley. You can, um, John Ramel, I think it's Ramley or no, Ramel, Ramley. John Ramley. You can search this up on YouTube or Spotify. I love this podcast specifically because it shares frameworks from people who are currently in the industry. So this isn't like somebody who like studied it and like they're just telling you theories or so. These are people who are in the industry, usually uh, consultants too. And they share frameworks this is where I got the jobs to be done framework that I was talking about earlier. Really, really amazing podcast. I really love this podcast a lot. The other one that I like uh, listening to is Marketing School. Uh, they share practical knowledge and trends that are currently being used in digital marketing. Again, you can search for these on YouTube or Spotify or Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast. But those are two resources that I would highly, highly suggest uh, you tap into. Yeah, and I, I like uh, Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. He's done literally thousands of episodes, and it's all about him and uh, his guests. They talk about, or sometimes he does socials, they just talk about ways to build an audience online, whether it be through podcasting or uh, YouTube, and then how how to monetize that audience, uh, building an email list, how to put out offers, how to create an online course, how to create uh, affiliate marketing campaigns and all those kinds of things to monetize that. And another person who does that at an elite level is Amy Porterfield. And she's got the Amy Porterfield podcast. These are both like eight figure people who've done it for many years, uh, in the digital marketing space. And, and I learned a lot from them as I 
grew in my entrepreneurial journeys and, and, you know, built out my own campaigns and stuff. So definitely made some good money off of the insights gleaned from them. So go check them out for sure. Yeah. So top, top skills for this episode, sales, software development, coding, um, and digital marketing and any skills in, in digital marketing, but definitely those three. And I think we got to run this back consistently because there's so many, there's so many. And you know, what's funny in like three months when a new piece of technology comes out, there's going to be like 10 more skills that pop up that we're going to have to cover. Yeah. But regardless of what happens, people will always need to sell stuff and there will always be somebody standing between the customer and the business marketing it. So, um, as long as we're 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 staying true to these things that we're talking about, then I think we'll be all right. Yeah, and it's all about being the most valuable person we can be. So get those at reps, keep expanding your knowledge, keep expanding your skills, keep adding to your tool belt, and you will be the most valuable person you can be. Any final thoughts? Last quotables? Nah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yo, you took the thunder. Well, I was supposed to drop some. I'd be like, hey, look, be an asset. Don't be a liability. MVP. 